Let's turn in our Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6. Luke, chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. We've been working our way through a series of encounters that Jesus had with the Pharisees and the scribes. And uh, each time, uh, Jesus has been accused. Uh, And so far, we've seen Jesus accused of blasphemy because of his uh, claim to have the authority to forgive sins. We've seen Jesus accused of being guilty by association because he spends his time with tax collectors and sinners. We've seen Jesus accused of breaking the religious tradition because his disciples feast instead of fast. And today Jesus and his disciples are accused of being Sabbath breakers. Now, what's wonderful about all of these uh, occasions is, well, first of all, none of these accusations are true. But secondly, Jesus uses them as opportunity to teach us about who he is. And so today we learn something new about the Lord Jesus. We learn that he is the Lord of the Sabbath, and we learn what the Sabbath is really for. And so that's what we're going to focus on this morning. So let's read together Luke chapter 6, verses 1 through 11 this morning. This is God's word. On a Sabbath, while he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and also gave it to those with him? And he said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching, And a man was there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath, so that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come and stand here. And he rose and stood there. And Jesus said to them, I ask you, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to destroy it? After looking around at them all, he said to them, Stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored. But they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. What is the Sabbath really for? Uh, Often when uh, conversation begins regarding the Sabbath, the discussion quickly turns to what is not allowed? What what are we not permitted to do on the Sabbath day? Now, of course, it's true that every commandment of God has a, a negative and a positive aspect to it, a do not and a do attached to it. But sometimes I think we can so focus on one side of the commandment that we forget to give proper attention to to the other side of God's command. 
And I think that can sometimes be especially true when we're thinking about the Sabbath. And uh, here in this passage, Jesus shows us what the Sabbath is really for. And he does it in the context of uh, Pharisees who have, uh, in attempt to safeguard the, the holiness of this day, have created all kinds of man-made rules to uh, keep the Sabbath day and to protect it. And, uh, and he's, he's confronted because of what he's doing with his disciples on the Sabbath day. Now, if you had a question for the Pharisees, what is permissible on the Sabbath? They, they had a law for that. I think we need to say right, right here at the front of, of things, though, that we need to recognize not every Jew was a Pharisee. Not every Jew was a legalist during that day. There would have been many who delighted in the Sabbath day as God intended. There would have been many who looked forward to this day knowing that it was a, a gift from God where we set apart, where we, where, where we set apart our weekly labors and we dwell in God's presence for the purpose of rest and, and worship. But the Pharisees, some of the religious leaders on this day, had, had turned this gift into a heavy burden. A day that was given for delight, they had turned into a day of drudgery. They had a strict code. They they added rules that outlined no less than 39 different categories of work that were forbidden on the Sabbath day. You'll be familiar with some of these. You, you were not permitted to walk more than 1,100 paces on the Sabbath day, just enough to get you to the local synagogue and back. But if you went further than that, you were guilty of traveling on the Sabbath day. But here's my, here's my favorite. I've shared this with some of you before. You were not allowed to spit on the Sabbath. Now, why, why on earth would that be? Why aren't you allowed to spit on the Sabbath? Well, because if you, you spit into the dirt and your spit burrows into the ground and forms a hole in the ground, you're guilty of plowing. But it gets, it gets better. And I'm not making this up. It's in, it's in the Mishnah, not in God's word. Uh, if you spit and there happens to be a seed and the hole in which the spitter spits, you're doubly guilt, guilty at this point because you've not only plowed, but you've also sown. <laughs> and therefore, you've broken the Sabbath commandment. And so by their legalism, they're adding to the word of God. The, the Pharisees showed that they completely missed the point of the Sabbath day. But, but friends, there's another way you can misunderstand the Sabbath. And that is by treating it just like any other day. A, a heart that says, look at how great of a Sabbatarian I am because I keep the Sabbath day holy. And a heart that says, what I do on the Lord's day doesn't really matter are two hearts that have fundamentally misunderstood the whole point of the Sabbath. Now, thankfully, Jesus helps us see in this passage what this day is all about. And I think he outlines for us a theology of the Sabbath. And here he shows us in, in broad terms that the Sabbath day is a day given for the purpose of resting from our regular activities so that we can give an entire day to fostering greater love for God and greater love for our neighbor. That's what the Sabbath is for, not not legalism, 
not license, but loving God and loving one another. In our passage, there are two stories, and we see that the Sabbath in the first story, we see that the Sabbath is for loving God and serving Christ. We see that in Jesus' encounter with the Pharisees in the grain field. And then in the second story, we're going to see that the Sabbath is for loving others and showing mercy. And so these are the two big ideas that we want to think about today. First of all, in verses 1 and 5, we see that the Sabbath is for loving God and serving Christ. Uh, On one Sabbath day, Jesus was with his disciples, and and they're on the road, uh, traveling about. And and as they're passing through a grain field, uh, some of the disciples' stomachs are rumbling. They're hungry. They haven't had anything to eat. And so they reach out and they they pluck some grain and they pop it in their mouths to hold them over until they get where they are going. Now, uh, this is one of those stories, at least for me, that kind of makes me chuckle when I try to imagine it. When I was was younger, I used to imagine the Pharisees kind of hidden out in the grain fields. And as soon as they see uh, the disciples pluck some grain, kind of pop up and say, Aha, we caught you, you bunch of Sabbath breakers. That's probably not what happened. Um, they were probably just along the road, but they were, waiting, they were waiting to pounce. And so they throw this accusation at Jesus in verse 2. Why are you doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath day? And, you know, according to the Pharisaical manual, chapter 18, paragraph 4, subsection Z, whatever I am, That doesn't exist. But you've made an infraction, Jesus. You've broken the Sabbath day, and you need to give an answer for yourself and for your disciples because you're responsible for them. And so Jesus is guilty once again of breaking, not God's law, but man-made laws. And do you notice how Jesus responds to to their accusation? It's, a, it's actually a great example of how Jesus dealt with his enemies and his opponents. Jesus doesn't get uh, self-defensive. Jesus doesn't uh, attack their character. Uh, he doesn't uh, get upset. What does he do? He takes them to the Bible. He points them to Scripture. But before we look at what Jesus actually says, I want you to notice what Jesus does not say. He, he doesn't say that the The Sabbath doesn't matter, or that the Sabbath is no longer relevant. And that's because the Sabbath is not merely a matter of Pharisaical law, nor is it simply something that applied to Old Testament Israel. We we see the importance of the Sabbath from creation to consummation, from Genesis to To Revelation, God speaks to his people about the importance of keeping the Sabbath day set apart. This is important, I think, for us to understand because it's common for people to say today that the Sabbath is something that no longer applies to us. It was something given through Moses to Israel, and it no longer applies to God's people today. But I, I don't think when you look at Scripture that we can affirm that. Because when we go through the Bible, Old Testament into the New, we see the importance of the Sabbath. 
And so in Genesis chapter 2, we see that the Sabbath is a creation ordinance. An ordinance is something ordained and commanded by God. And so in Genesis chapter 2, in the beginning, God commanded Adam to imitate his, his heavenly father by working six days and then setting aside an entire day for the, the purpose of rest and fellowship and delighting in God. I think a question you've got to ask yourself when you read that God rested on the, the Sabbath day, why is God doing that? You know, was he tired after the work of creation for six days? Of course not. God is infinite. God doesn't grow weary. But instead, God in his kindness, God in his goodness, God in his love for humanity was setting out a pattern for his image bearers to follow. And he was giving Adam one day in seven to rest from his labors and to rest and worship the Lord. It was a day of blessing. And so we read in Genesis 2 verse 7, God blessed the Sabbath day. And made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. And so the Sabbath day is established as a creation ordinance. But we also find that it's a redemption ordinance. It was commanded by God in the, in the fourth commandment of the, the ten commandments. So that Israel would remember how, how God had redeemed them. It was a day where God's people were to, to focus on the reality that once we were slaves in Egypt, once we were utterly helpless, once we were fast bound in bondage, but God with a mighty outstretched and sovereign hand reached down and delivered us and brought us to himself. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 5, after being Redeemed from Egypt, God tells Israel to set aside an entire day and rest and remember God's redeeming grace. My friends, if, if the story of Israel teaches us anything, it teaches us the tendency of God's people to forget God's grace. And that's true of us. How easy it is for us to forget the way that God has redeemed us through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And so God is saying, I'm giving you one day in seven where you can focus your minds and focus your hearts on my redeeming grace in Christ Jesus. And so he gives the command in Deuteronomy 5, 13 through 15. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You shall remember that you were slaves in Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. You're to, you're to cease from labor so that you can be set free to worship and delight in God, your creator and your redeemer. But as we move on in scripture, the Sabbath is not only a creation ordinance and a redemption ordinance, it's also a heavenly ordinance. That is, it is, it is a foretaste of the heavenly rest that awaits the people of God. It is a sign that points forward to the eternal rest that awaits all of those who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. The author of Hebrews talks about this in chapters 3 and, and 4. That a Sabbath rest awaits the people of God. There, 
that uh, there is a day that is yet to come when Jesus returns, when we will enter into the eternal rest of, of God. And so in the meantime, God gives his people one day in seven to point to that reality and to give his people an, an, an experience of what that rest will one day be like. A day, therefore, where we declare that this world is not our home, that our ultimate joy is not in this world, but our ultimate home is in heaven with God and our ultimate joy is with Christ. And the Lord's Day is designed by God to, to refocus our attention on that reality. I hope you see then how, how this applies to us. Keeping, keeping the Sabbath day is a way for God's people to express before God and before the world that God is more important than anything in this life. That uh, as the, the psalmist says, that his steadfast love is better than life itself. And so we see the Sabbath is a creation ordinance. It was instituted by God in the beginning to be an entire day exclusively devoted to worship and delighting in God. It's a redemption ordinance, a day for God's people to remember God's redeeming grace. And it is a heavenly ordinance, a day that looks forward to the eternal rest of God's people. And so we see the importance of the Sabbath throughout Scripture, that it was given for our good and for the blessing of God's people. God's command, it's clear about the importance of keeping the day holy. But as we study Scripture, we also see God gives gracious provisions for those who are in trying times and difficult circumstances. Provisions were made for those who were away from the temple, away from the synagogue, away from God's people. One of the provisions that applies to this passage is Deuteronomy 23, 25, where the people of Israel, if they were passing through a grain field and they were away from home, they were permitted to pluck grain from a neighbor's field to feed themselves. Provisions were made for people during times of war for people doing the Lord's work, for people who were providentially hindered from being with God's people, people like David, who was on the run for his own life. And so when the Pharisees bring this accusation against Jesus for breaking the Sabbath, what, what does he do? He takes them to scriptures and he says to them, have you not read? Are you, are you so blinded by your tradition that you no longer see what God's word actually says. And so Jesus justifies his actions with the word of God. And he says, don't you remember 1 Samuel 21? When David and his band of men were on the run from Saul. David was, at this point, God's anointed king. And yet Saul was out to kill him. And the only thing David and his men could do was seek refuge with the priest and and Nob, and he and his men were starving. But the priests didn't have any food to offer to David and his men. All that there was was the, the showbread, the bread that was placed upon the, the temple or in the, in the tabernacle uh, in the presence of the Lord. Now, technically, the only persons that could eat that bread were the priests. But you see, in this situation, the moral necessity of caring for another outweighed 
the ceremonial law in this situation. And so the priest gave the bread to David and his men in order that they might have sustenance, in order that they might have their physical needs met. And Jesus is saying, you, you, you guys think that this Sabbath is just a matter of maintaining your strict rules, but the real purpose of God's law is to love God and to love your neighbor. David's men were serving the Lord's anointed, and they had a physical need. And here is Jesus, the Lord's anointed, and his disciples are serving him and following him, and they have a physical need. So think, think about what are, what are Jesus and his disciples doing on the, on the Sabbath day? They're traveling about on the Sabbath so that Jesus can go about teaching and preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. To, to proclaim the gospel to needy sinners, to call men and women to faith and repentance. And so men and women and boys and girls are, are being turned back to God. And Jesus is healing uh, those who are sick. He's showing mercy. That's what Jesus and his disciples are doing on the Sabbath day. But all, of, all that the Pharisees are concerned about is maintaining their Pharisaical code. And Jesus is pointing that out to them. All they care about is that Jesus and his disciples have broke their man-made tradition. I think Jesus could have stopped there in his argument, but he goes on to say a second thing in, in response. I th that must have left the Pharisees uh, either speechless or furious. I'm not sure. Maybe both. <laughs> he says, I, the Son of Man, am the Lord of the Sabbath. It's my day. Uh, I instituted it. I'm in charge of it. What I say goes. Now we just heard a moment ago that the Sabbath was instituted at creation and established by the authority of God. And Jesus Christ says, this is my day. I'm the Lord of this day. I'm in charge of this day. Now who can say something like that, friends, but God alone? And that's what Christ says. And so the, the Sabbath is a holy day instituted by God. And it is a day given for us to delight in God and serve Christ, the Lord's anointed. God isn't, God isn't interested in us becoming a bunch of, of Pharisees and using this day to, to promote our own religiosity, our own self-righteousness. Nor does God want us to ignore this day because it is a day for focusing on what matters most. And that is loving God and serving Christ. See, friends, God doesn't, God doesn't want you to tip your hat to him on Sunday morning. He wants your heart. He wants your worship. He wants your mind. He wants your life. He wants your love. He wants your devotion. He wants all of you. And he's given us this day so that we can enter into his presence together and give ourselves to him and delight ourselves in who he is and what he has done in his grace for his people. He wants us to be utterly devoted to delighting in his praises and to serving the Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is showing us the Sabbath is not, is not drudgery. It is a day for delighting in God, and it is a day for serving the Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus Christ. 
And so we see by Jesus' example that the Sabbath is for loving God and serving Christ. But secondly, we also see in this next story that the Sabbath is for loving others and showing mercy in verses 6 through 11. Luke tells us about a second encounter with the Pharisees on another Sabbath day. This time he's in the synagogue teaching. And we should pause there and recognize that this is what Jesus did on the Sabbath. How did Jesus spend his time on the Sabbath? He was with God's people, singing God's praises because he loved to praise his heavenly father and he was there to proclaim the truth of God's word to, to needy sinners. That's what a Sabbath day was, was like for the Lord Jesus. And he uses this other encounter with the Pharisees to teach us what the Sabbath is for again. There's a man with, with a withered hand and uh, I think most of us here couldn't even imagine the, the suffering that this man has been through, the challenges that he has faced in his life. But the pharisaical police are on duty once again, and they're watching. Is Jesus going to heal this man? After all, that's a, that's a form of work. This man's, this man's need is not life-threatening, Jesus. If you heal this man on the Sabbath, you are guilty once again of breaking the Sabbath. See what Jesus does in this story? I love it. I, I love the way Jesus confronts the Pharisees in this story. Friends, Jesus will not tolerate spiritual abusers. Jesus will not tolerate these men despising this poor man. And Jesus will not tolerate this distortion of his day. And so he calls this man with a withered hand forward. And now the Lord of the Sabbath is the one interrogating uh, the teachers of Israel. And he asks them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to destroy it? And with a very simple question, Jesus exposes what is in their hearts. Jesus perceives what is going on in their minds and in their hearts before the eyes of everyone in the synagogue, Jesus asks this simple question. It is a profoundly simple question. And Jesus is acknowledging, making these men acknowledge, though they refuse to do it verbally, that they're spending their Lord's Day conspiring how they can destroy the Lord of the Sabbath. How do we know that? Well, Luke tells us at the end of this passage, after this encounter, that the Pharisees left the synagogue. And what do they do? Immediately, they conspire together how they can get rid of Jesus. Other gospel accounts tell us that they conspire with the Herodians, how they can destroy Jesus. And so Jesus asks them this simple question. Is the Sabbath day given by God for doing good or for destroying life? And these Pharisees are silent. Now Jesus is the one who's angry. Luke doesn't tell us that part, but Mark tells us that as Jesus looked at each of these men, as he observed the callousness of their hearts, Jesus was grieved to the point of rage. He was enraged that these men would be so callous about the spiritual and physical needs of God's people. 
And so to validate his ministry, to show what the Sabbath is for, Jesus tells this man, stretch out your hand. And as he stretches out his hand, his hand is fully restored. And you see, Jesus, by his example, is teaching that the Sabbath is a day for doing good and for showing mercy. And so go back to that question for a minute. What did a typical Sabbath look like for Jesus? He was with God's people in the synagogue, singing God's praises because he loved his heavenly father. He was there to proclaim and to teach and to preach the truth of the gospel. And he was there to show love and to do good and to do acts of mercy because this is what the Sabbath is for. And so friends, what should a Sabbath then look like for us? When we look at this story, when we look at the ministry of Jesus, we, we see that the Sabbath is a day for worship. It is a day for, for the blessing and, and well-being of God's people. And so, yes, come to church with God's people to delight yourself in the Lord and to remember his saving grace. God gives us this day, this Lord's Day, the New Testament Sabbath, to be set free from the demands of a busy and, and hectic world that we might worship him, that we might set our hearts on him. And so we order our week so that we can be together on the Lord's Day, framing that day in worship. I don't need to tell you folks, it's not the Lord's Day morning, it's the Lord's Day. And that is why we, that's why we think evening worship, for example, is an important aspect of the Lord's Day because it encourages us to begin and end our day together in the presence of God, singing his praises and hearing his word. And brothers and sisters, we, we miss you when you're not here. We miss you when you're not here in the morning and in the evening because we love to be together, fellowshipping together in the presence of God and sing, singing his praises together. That's what the day is for, and God has so ordered our week to give us six days and to set aside an entire day to delight in the Lord. What an incredible gift. He's given us a day to feed our souls on the ministry of his word. It's a day for worship, and it is a day for doing good. It is a day for showing love to one another. It is a day for doing deeds of mercy. And God wants us to display tangible acts of mercy because we have experienced his mercy in Christ. Works of mercy are, are tangible ways of testifying to God's grace. God has shown me mercy, and therefore I want to extend his mercy to the needy to the lost, to those in difficult circumstances, the poor, the elderly, the sick, and my neighbor. And we utilize the Lord's Day to do that. You see, it is a day to visit that, that dear elderly saint who is unable to be with us in worship because they're bedridden. It is a day to go see that, that friend or family member or church member who's bedridden in the hospital and to show them mercy and to share the good news of Christ with them. It is, it is a day to, to invite that lonely neighbor into your home and show them mercy, tell them about Christ. It's a day for mercy. God in his mercy has cared for us in our condition 
And therefore, we want to extend mercy to others, and we use the Lord's Day to do that. So it is a day for worship. It is a day for doing good. And finally, it is a day for the Lord. It is the Lord's Day. It is a day for us to to focus on Christ. Because we need him more than we need our jobs. We need him more than we need our hobbies. We need him more than we need sports. We need him more than we need time with family. We need mercy. We need Christ. And so we come together Lord's Day after Lord's Day to cast ourselves upon the mercy of Christ, to remember his grace, to declare our need to declare our allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ, that we march by his orders and not the world's. God has given us an incredible blessing, a day day for worship, a day for doing good, a day for the Lord. So let's let's use this day, let's set it apart by by gathering together as, as God's people to foster greater love for God and to grow in service to Christ. And let's tangibly show mercy on this day by by loving others and doing good to others. The Lord calls us to come together, to worship in his presence, and to be reminded, friends, that Christ, Christ is better, he's more important, he's more precious than anything in this world. Let's pray together. Our Lord and our God, we thank you for the blessing of the Sabbath day. Help us like the psalmist to be able to say from our hearts, O Lord, how I love your law. Thank you, O Lord, that you are merciful to us when we fail, when we sin against you. Lord, I pray that you would work in our lives that we might more and more delight in this day because our greatest delight is to worship you, to fellowship with you, and with one another. Lord, we pray that as we come to the Lord's table now in just a few moments, that you would enable us uh, to experience the joy and delight of a well-spent Sabbath. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.